They're checking cherubin pots strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time looms. And in the front bar of a top-end pub... Yeah, yeah, Rob, it was just like you said last time. This wizened old Asian bloke in a sackcloth caftan starts sprouting bloody philosophy. I nearly choked on my chips. Oh, what's going on? Smith! Oh, showtime. Great. Let's go. Quick, Quick drink up. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. Seen him too, Timmy. I reckon it was the very same bloke that you saw, you saw in the tackle shop. Little conical straw hat. That's him. That's him. Look at wearing like an old sugar bag with yeah. holes cut in it for arms and his head. Yeah, little triangular beard, long, yeah. long fingernails. Long fingernails, yeah. yeah. Same bloke. Yeah, yeah. He was in the server, buying wingdings of all things. Wise man. Place fell silent and it kind of went into a weird slow mo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same as the tackle shop. Just as he was handing over his his credit card for the pay pass. And what an apt proverb it was he first uttered. We must have pretty well-honed angling knowledge, because I tell you, don't we know the extent of our ignorance, Robert? Running by that, given that we do know the extent of our own ignorance, well, I'm speaking for me personally, that makes me a genius! Yeah, in other words, if you know nothing and you know you know nothing... You're a genius! You're bloody knowledgeable! (laughs) Apt to bring back... The Confucius of fishing this week after a couple of months away as we explore some of, again, (laughs) the philosophical and metaphysical nature of being and fishing. We look at expectation management on Tales from the Tinny this week. The ideology of false hope and her repercussions on the water. Humility for the rise, the triumph, Robert. Always comes before the fall. uh, Never a truer word has been said, Tim. And of course, karma, Fishos. Karma on the waters across the top end. It's a vindictive beast, is karma. Well, we need to take heed of her omnipresent power. And her persistence and her vindictiveness, I agree. She is a harsh beast. There's going to be some learnings today, I believe, in the Tenny Tim. The key learning, the, the philosophy that binds, is that, Fishos, of persistence this week on Tales from the Tinny. It does not matter 
how slowly you go. As long as you do not stop. Tales from the Tinny. You've got to know where you are and why you're there and for how long to stay there for. And usually the bait will tell you. If the bait slows down, then the activity slows down, move up to the next one. As long as there's bait there and it's, and it's active and it's concerned, stay. When that starts to quieten off, move up. And don't get worried about lures and stuff that aren't working. It's not the lures, it's them. Tales from the Tinny. G'day, I'm Buddha. A couple of weeks out at uh, Kakadu. First morning, thought we're on a winner here. 77 on the fizzer. Uh, 70 trawling a bit of snags and then it shut down for about oh, three or four days I'd say. I... That's a long shutdown Buddha, three or four days. I thought you were going to say three or four hours. <laughs> it is, right. Especially when you got uh, a fish on your 70 <laughs> on your first cast. Well that's right. I thought... That's expectation shattered really. Yeah it is. Yeah but that's always uh, rule of thumb isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Get a good one straight up, she shuts down. I'm pretty persistent so I just poke around and have a look and uh, yeah anyway Mardi Gul, uh, it shut down. Then I went into home and there was a lot of, fair bit of action in home. A lot of follows, got a couple off the surface. And, and most of the ones that are hitting the surface are good size. Like they're, uh, if they're not size, they're just under. And then a couple of good good ones as well. But I haven't managed to crack another good one in the weed yet. It's um, I've had a few on and, and they just bury me in the weed. Um, Monday morning, I decided to have a bit of a look around Yellow Waters up into the paper barks. This was day what, by the way, Buddha? I would say about four or five. So this is new level persistence. You're still casting? Oh, yeah. I'm a cod fisherman. You have no idea about patience. When when you're chasing big cod, you know, you can spend a week and not see a fish. So, yeah, this this is nothing for me. Probably about 10 or 11, I thought I'll go up and have a look up in the paper barks. And while I'm, I was cruising up through the shallows, there was just fish everywhere. And some good size stuff I was seeing, you know, 60s and 70s, just darting in and out of the holes. I thought, oh, yeah. So I got, went up as far as I could get. And I thought, I'll just start throwing a few fizzes. And more or less straight away, they just they, it was on. And uh, so, yeah, for the day, I ended up with 14 in the boat. Um, of those 14, four were undersized. And it just kept going all day. They just kept hitting the lures. Um, Tuesday morning, went back out again and dropped a horse. I, I, it's hard to say, but I'd say in the 90s, somewhere about that. That afternoon, went out again. We took a just one of the buddy nomads that was in the park. Took him out for a fish, see if he could catch a fish. And he dropped another good one in the same spot where where I missed a big one. So there's still a lot of lilies and stuff just starting to poke their heads up again. But you can work through it. Like there's holes everywhere. You can and you can find areas that um, that you can get a good shot in. You were that persistent over four days. You ended up finding the fish. Yeah, I think it was just more persistence. I. I really love surface fishing anyway. As soon as I caught that 77 off the top, that was about 8.30 in the morning, I just persisted more or less with fizzes the whole time. And then and then I, I haven't sort of stopped with the fizzes. I, I love the fizzes. So bloody awesome fishing. It's not a complicated business, Buddha. And in light of that, and in keeping with your name, this might ring true. Fishing is really simple. But we insist on making it complicated. Tales from the Tinny. 
you knew that already, didn't you? Of course. <laughs> I've had this name for a long time. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's, that is my philosophy, patience and keep it simple. Had a crack at the east, had a hit big fish. I missed a really good fish on a fizzer. Turn around and all of a sudden this big croc's just coming at me. And I thought he was coming in the back of the boat. Absolutely shit myself. <laughs> managed to just hit the key, throw it into gear and take off. Lucky you are Buddha and carry the calm zen. You didn't panic, you kept calm and you just acted. No, I couldn't panic, I froze. (laughs) It's all right, I think the real Buddha probably soiled his robes on various occasions too. (laughs) I think so. Put the tinny on ice and enjoy this episode as a refreshingly fresh podcast at your convenience. Grab it from the Tinny Facebook page, ABC Radio app, or your preferred podcast provider. Apart from the Confucian, Zen, Buddhist wisdoms that are being hoyed at us by that bloke. Do you think he's stalking us? He got me in the tackle shop. He's got you in the survey. He's passing on the wisdoms. Is there any wisdoms incoming on the hoy line, Tim? There's a fair few and a couple of little newsy bits because uh, people have been asking about access to West Alligator Head, why it's still closed, Rob. Yep. Uh, the department says, well, rangers out there are telling the department that the road's just no good still, which is pretty hard to believe in August. <laughs> but It's always a know, contentious opener, West that's Alligator Head, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. The road's still buggered. If you go on it now, it's going to wreck it further. But there's also infrastructure works going on out there, um, just starting, actually, to repair the bore that provides water for the shower block. They reckon it'll be open in a couple of weeks' time. Mm. Now, there you go. Uh, the other one was claims of illegal netting. Um, wreck fishers are calling for tougher penalties again for commercial operators. A net was found which cut off large sections of the Buckingham River. It's all over social media. Fisheries are saying don't post it on social media because it can affect our investigations. If you mm. see something, activity, you know, you need rego numbers, you need photos, you need proof, but then call the 18, 1800 891 136. Seafood Council is looking into it. They condemned the, you know, the alleged breach and said they'll be investigating and taking action. Kane Stinton has taken action by uh, giving us a hoy. Had a true out to Four Mile Hole last weekend. Safe to say it's looking promising for future years. This is what George Musa was telling us a week or two ago as well. Landed well over the 100 mark for the day with plenty of double and even a few triple hookups. Yeah, I, I saw the video of that one and it shows a pod of, you know, a dozen or more easy, all little fish, but it's great for future years. Mm, you know. Fantastic. And like George said, there's 40 or 50 on every snag. Oh, oh Hero! Hero's given us a line. Recently went fishing at Mindle Beach in the morning, as is his want. I caught five barramundi there. My very good fishing friend, Keith Watson. He's back! He's back! Has returned after a three-year absence. He caught two barra at East Point in the afternoon. Welcome back to Darwin, Keith. Indeed! Keith got onto us too. Had my first barra flick today, says the man himself was so good to once again feel that whack through the rod tip as a barra inhales my lure. Only a little 52 specimen was released to grow bigger for another day. 
love being back. Oh, we love having you back, Keith. Dave Rinkin uh, with Angler's Choice just wrapped up a cracking few days at Dundee. Queenie, Spanish, Max, Dewey's, Trev's and a vast assortment of reefies come over the rail. Micro-jigging for Dewey's was a highlight, as was a fisher car session of solid Trev's. Fisher cars, when Trev's are going like that, it is pretty full on, isn't it? Micro-jigging for Dewey's is pretty good fun too. I reckon, yeah. You'd think. You'd think. Challenging. Very sporting. Special mention to Shane for surviving a mid-flight collapse on the way up to rebound like a phoenix mm. or a heavyweight champion from the ashes and give the Dundee sailfish a nudge. Good on you, fella. A mid-flight collapse doesn't sound all that much fun. And topped it off with a big feed of mud crabs. Yeah, similar reports too from over the long weekend of the sailies, most in the ones, twos or or threes, you know, actually boat one or two of them. Josh Kerr did really well, who's been fishing for sailfish for a long time in the top end. I think he raised something like 13. Uh, I can't remember how many were hooked, maybe seven or eight. And I, I think they boated five or so, but we're going to catch up in more detail with Josh Kerr next week. And just for a breakdown of this billfish season as it compares to years past, because it really does seem that it's not just the number of fishos out there targeting them, that they have definitely moved in closer along that 40 to 50k mark and in bigger numbers and in bigger size than they have in pretty much living memory to long-term sailfishos like Josh. So uh, tune in next week. Uh, Owen Richards, too, posted a quick question on one of the fishing Facebook pages. Say someone's wife is 39 weeks pregnant and won't let their husband out fishing unless he has phone reception. Would he still get reception at Fenton Patches? Now, If you went prepared, I'm sure there's something you could buy from an electronics store that would aid this uh, quest. He was preaching to the converted. He's looking for support. Correct, and he knows he's going to get it on the fishing Facebook page. He knows the answer he's going to get. And then he can deliver that data, that cold, hard, empirical data to his 39-week pregnant wife. Look at, look at the response I've got on Facebook. And regardless of whether or not I'm going to get reception, all the people on this page will tell me I can, and that's exactly what they did, Rob. Even though, even though knowing in his heart of hearts... That, he's, that it's not going to be reliable. It's not going to happen. If the, post, if the comments on the post say, risk it for the biscuit, mate... As they did. You'll be right, fella. Oh, yeah, if you stand up, you know, on one leg on the side on the gunnel, you'll be right. I don't know. Did you go? Owen, have you gone yet? Doug replied, I took my missus out in an 11-foot punt overnight and she was eight days overdue. It's taunting. This has become a challenge of how pregnant your wife can be when you take her out fishing. You're soft, mate. That's nothing. Isn't that what got you into the pickle in the first place, Doug? Taking the missus out on a romantic, moonlit jaunt in an 11-foot little punt? Reasonable deduction using logic, isn't it? Silence is a true friend who never betrays Tales from the Tinny Hi, g'day, I'm George member of the Darwin Floridas had to put that in from Fanny Bay 
George, we've been musing on the philosophical elements of our pursuit again this week, and you've had a run-in with karma. Yeah, the problem is uh, karma has run over my dogma. Ooh, that sounds painful. Oh, very painful. It's been hurting for a couple of years. It's just got intensified the last weekend when uh, had an incident over in Melville Island. We'll come to the incident itself last weekend, but this has been evolving. How did it start? Well, it started a couple of years ago, uh, fishing in one of the comps. Fred and I were just mucking around. We found some banana lollies, and we put them in Glenn Hubbard's boat. As you would. Uh, Glenn sort of poo-pooed and started eating the bananas, and he had the worst day ever. Ran aground, <laughs> broke things, lost sunnies. But it sort of evolved from that. So every competition, you know, he'd send us a photo of bananas and things like that. So the next year we thought we'd bring it to a head and we'd finish it. So Scotty Mitchell and I got some banana suits. When everybody's in at the meeting for the comp, we had a friend take a photo of us in every boat dressed as bananas. <laughs> the problem was, though, the next morning my boat cut out. It worked out after about a thousand dollars. The problem was a fuse. <laughs> a fuse costing, uh, what, uh, 80 cents? Yeah, something like a little 10-amp yeah. fuse, you know, for the fuel injector. Even karma? Even karma. Seemed to get worse from there. You know, I was out fishing. I lost my electric overboard, and my fantastic insurance company, who I know I can't name, but they sort of look like a shell. I hope you hear this. They were fantastic. Came to the party really quick. No problem. How do you lose an electric overboard, George? More to the point, what was the story oh, you yeah. told this fantastic <laughs> insurance company? It just happened. Accident at sea. My problem is I'm too honest. I feel guilty if I'm going to claim something that didn't happen. Do you hope they heard that too? They were fantastic. They claimed that really quickly. And then about four months later, I was having a service, and they told me I had a bent prop shaft, and I'd hit something in the harbour about three months prior. It wasn't your electric? No, no, no. They said, oh, yeah, the gearbox needed redoing. Same insurance company. That's all done. And then I'm going out to the uh, orrery with a mate, and the GPS died. Got back to Darwin, and the sonar stopped. So I bought a new $4,000 GPS sonar, Went out to Crobby just to test it. I got a 175 on the back, so I thought I'd hit it just to see how it goes. Bloody thing came off. Prop chopped it off. New transducer. Bottom of Crobby Billabong. <laughs> George, you dance with the devil with banana lollies. Karma, banana suits? Then banana suits. Karma ain't going to let you off like that. little just, devil been sitting on your shoulder ever since. I just want to know how long it lasts. Mm. You know, is it... Forever? I don't know if it was even sitting on your shoulder, mate. I think it might have been rectally implanted the way this seems to be going on. <laughs> well, it feels like Because <laughs> uh, that's not the only problem I had. I was upstairs tying some flies, and I really love superglue. Superglue holds them together. I'm going to tie them. They're going to last. Mm. They'll be around, so listening to a little bit of music. And I didn't realise I'd spilt superglue on the floor. And, of course, I'd tie flies in bare feet. And then I went to move. And I couldn't move because my foot was stuck to the floor. <laughs> Uh, phone's nowhere in sight, no acetone, nowhere near around, so I thought, what the hell am I going to do? Pat's not home for hours, can't call anybody, so I decided to rip my foot off the floor. It was the only option, let's face it. (laughs) Which I took a photo of, and it's still there, you know, it's got to stay there for posterior, the bit of skin and superglue stuck to the floor. We're going to wheel George away for a exorcism at this point. And a little Valium. Mm. Bishop Eugene Hurley will be wheeled in with the crosses and the holy water. <laughs> holy water. You are possessed and we've got to remove that one devil spirit. <laughs> in a moment, the culmination of two years of some of the worst karma, you might suggest well-deserved, <laughs> uh, from George Vlasny at Fanny Bay.
Tales from the Tinny. George is copying a pasty. Oh, yeah. And if you think he hasn't been slapped just quite hard enough yet, which I think some of his compatriots in the Darwin Flyriders would say, he's never been slapped hard enough. That seems to be the ruling ethos of that mob. Just wait. There's more. Regurgitated. A warning to all of you who like using lures where the toe point is the bib, that you are dancing with the devil. Tied one on last week, Shoal Bay, and of course I met that fish that I've been looking for for maybe 10 years. Initially I thought I was snagged, and then there was that definitive throb, and I thought, no, it's a fish. And when I saw the fish come up and jump head and shoulders, and it was connected, I really thought, this is my moment, this is my day. Five jumps, a power dive behind the boat. She came up with lolling there. And then I thought, it's come off. The bib was on my leader and the lure was in the fish's mouth. (laughs) This big fish just lay there, panting, like me, and then just rolled away. Life is cruel, Steve, and I think fishing is crueler. Well, it hurts. It hurts deep inside, and I don't think I'm ever going to get over this. And I don't know if I want to go back out there and have that pain again at the moment. I'm not quite ready. Tales from the Tinny. From across the vast expanses of the wild and untamed Top End, intrepid tinny correspondents risk rampage and ridicule from crewmates to bring you the truth. G'day fellas, this is Kat from Grey. I am sitting in my backyard with my fur children, Boof and Flick, and I just wanted to let you guys know what happened in our tinny last weekend in what I like to call Tales from the Tinner. Channel Island and uh, give Town Hall a go on the turn of the low. Took myself a couple of painkillers and drank a couple of energy drinks and found myself good as gold. So we were on the go and uh, got out to the boat ramp. Uh, another bloke brought his trailer down to come down. He's like, oh shit, where's my boat? So he'd left it there with the Minkota, a bit of a schoolboy error. Anyway, it had drifted around the other side, gone up on the rocks and sand and was stuck. So my hubby's come down and he's done the good thing and decided to help him out. And he said, oh well, I've done my good deed for the day. Should be a pretty good day's fishing. Got on the mark pretty easy, um, anchored really easy. It was pristine conditions, um, you know, it was really flat, not a lot of current, it was coming into slack tide. Of course, straight away, got myself onto a little fish, brought him up, he was a little stripy, so uh, I thought, oh well, I'm gonna give it a go and use him as live bait. We always wanna join the Jewfish Jamboree. We're in 30 metres of water, must have got about halfway down and said, then, oh shit, he got a bit frisky, something's going on. Started reeling it in, sure enough, no weight on it, it's clean cut. Hubby says, oh, you got sharks, babe. It's like, oh shit, that sucks. Anyway, dead mullet, went and grabbed one of those, got my rig set up, Dan's saying, cat, you need to put wire trace on. I was like, nah, I'll be right, mate. I was lazy, I just used the rigs that he already had set up, I didn't want to stuff around with wire trace. 
Got about that 10, 15 metre mark down again and something's grabbed the hook and started running with it. And I hadn't flicked the bail arm over, so I kind of started freaking out a little bit, like, shit, what do I do? Flicked the bail arm over and it ran and it was, it was real and it was awesome. Um, the, the reel was screaming, you know, doing my pump and wine. Oh, and Dan had said to me, oh, don't worry, Kat, this is just good practice for when you actually get a real big fish. Ha ha, joke's on you, pal. Holy shit, Kat, it's a Spanish mackerel. What do we do? Seen some blokes up in front of us on another boat. And we're like, oh, you guys know what to do with a Spanish mackerel? And one of them cheeky bugger says, oh, yeah, no worries. Just chuck it over here. We'll take care of it for you. I was like, yeah, good on you, mate. Anyway, his mate says, nah, just uh, bleed it straight away and then fill it up. It'll be good to go. Measured him, 110 centimetres. Happy days. It's awesome. And uh, then the realisation sunk in that uh, we'd only bought the little esky. Cut him in half, had my new filleting knife, uh, which cut through him like butter. Had some super shears that my dad gave me, so cut through the backbone like it was pretty easy. Grabbed myself a beer. Definitely one of the best we've had out at Town Hall. Very unexpected to get a Spanish mackerel, but we'll be definitely getting back out there again and uh, giving it another crack. Cheers, guys. And that is all from Cat with Tales from the Tin Arms. Her little fur children, Robert, Boof and Flick. There is a family, there is a woman in a family who loves their fishing. It's Katrina's dad's uh, 60th on the weekend too. He's on the way up from Sydney. So a shout out to you, Pete. Pete, good on your son. Have, good on your dad. Good on your dad. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully your hunting, gathering daughter shares a little bit of the Spaniard with you. And thanks for sending it in, filing it in, Katrina. From the field, you can do the same via the free downloadable... Tales from the Tinny phone recording app. You just install it on your phone. You press two buttons. You spin your yarn and you send it in to Tinny HQ. Or message us at ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook to get the details of how. You're listening to Tales from the Tinny. Get a mother up ya. <laughs> a busy suburban trade distribution point sees a busy and important man come to talk to us, Tim. Rudy, the territory boy who's come good. A little bit like the Jess Malboy story. <laughs> Attractive, <laughs> capable. Can hold a tune. Such a great performer. Came from nothing in the territory to the glory of the champion skipper, Real Women's 2017, Tebs Comp winner, Corroboree Round 2017. Who would have known? that just recently he had been known as the human banana. He's a bloke I'd given up on. Mm. In many respects, it's worthy of a film script, this journey, this odyssey of territory boy, the banana man, not many friends, <laughs> not that good to look at. Come good. Baz Lerman. They'd love on it. the email. How you going, fellas? Uh, obviously, uh, banana man here, Chris Rudy. <laughs> My uh, luck seems to be changing finally. Trying to kick the Banana Man curse uh, to the curb a little bit. Team come together and won the Real Women's Barra Classic for 2017. Uh, sixth time lucky, so that was uh, fantastic. And uh, also finally come goods with a round of the Teb series. Uh, 33rd time lucky. Do you see the parallels, Rudy, between your story and the Jess Malboy story? I don't think Jess Malboy had 33 cracks. She's actually got some talent, what can I say? 
Forbury actually did quite well for me that round. Well, I say quite well, I caught two barramundi. More the fact that everyone else did a lot worse than I did, more so than I did exceptionally well. I thought, hey, if I've caught two 60s, is it even worth me registering these fish? Because surely everyone else has done far better than I have. I put the, put the results in and kept, looked, kept checking the scores and no one else is putting any fish in and no one else is putting it in. I'm going... This is crazy. Win's a win's a win, mate. Doesn't matter about 60 centimetre, 50 centimetre. It's all fish and chip paper. A win is a win. That's it. As they say, it doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. I've actually done a few uh, extra trips out to Quadbury the last uh, few weeks. We've been doing very well on, on the Saratoga, flicking, flicking the uh, lilies for, for Toga and getting a few barra as bycatch pretty much at, at sunrise, at first first light. The barra seem to come on a little bit, bit later in the day as the water warms up a little bit, flicking frogs across the uh, lilies. We're getting sort of 15 sort of togas in a, in a trip um, with sort of three or four sort of barra thrown in there but we did definitely find a couple of little holes filled with lots of little fish and fish are cast throwing some little rubbers around these little in the little holes where the where the fish were holding and the water temperature had been quite cool around the sort of 22 23 in the mornings but it is coming up to 26 27 throughout the day so the temperature has been coming up nicely to that the right temperatures where the barra seemed to like we can't put your meteoric rise down to the voice audition or your performance on X Factor or Australian Idol. I don't know what to, what to put it down to. I think actually. the question Tim's asking is, have you had a swab? I don't know if you can call the gold cans a uh, performance enhancer. Of course you can. <laughs> but uh, definitely makes for a more enjoyable trip anyway. What the mid-strengths are is a mindset enhancer. Could we attribute your change in fortune to a change in mindset, a more positive attitude induced by icy cold mid-strengths. A honed intellectual focus. And a sense of, a renewed sense of self and purpose. The key is not to spend all your false hope too early. Uh, go with low expectations and anything's a bonus from there. It's a nice note to end on, but unfortunately we are tellers of truth on the tinny. Yes. You went to the daily with expectations and sadly weren't met. No, I spent three days in the daily this weekend and uh, pretty much all we managed was one of my deckies managed to catch uh, one Radis Kelcarifa. You've scaled the dizzying heights, but to overworkshop the analogy, you are now Jess Malboy back in her bedroom singing into a hairbrush with no one listening. Yeah, that's pretty much me, and I'll be honest with you, nobody wants to hear me singing anyway. <laughs> greatest glory is not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. Tales from the Tinny. Rudy, how apt. They called him the banana man. He fell and he rose again. 32 times he fell at Tebbs, but he rose on the 33rd attempt. He's got more ticker than Jesus. Five times he fell at Real Women's and on the sixth attempt he rose. The man has fallen. He's broken every limit. He's suffered massive blunt head trauma, internal bleeding, a pierced lung. But still he rises. (laughs) Still Still he rises! I'm hearing you! Hallelujah! I learned a lot else from Rudy this time, amazingly. 
The key is not to spend all your false hope too early. Yeah. Yeah. Keep them tokens. Yeah. Get, Keep them tokens in the bank. Go with low expectations and everything's a bonus from there. As Beryl from Lifeline often advises, the broad tinny church. Lower your expectations, change your perspective, and you'll, you will rise again! Hallelujah! If you can't finish this whole episode of Tales from the Tinny, don't worry. We've cryogenically frozen it and stored it, vacuum-packed in a data centre in the Nordic Mountains, surrounded by angry goats. <laughs> All this security ensures that your tinny is safely stored and ready for you to extract any time from the Tinny Facebook page, ABC Radio app or your preferred podcast provider. Or you could just do it old school and jump on a plane and hike up a Nordic mountain. Just don't forget about the goats. <laughs> Get a mullet up, ya. Go on, you know you want to. Tales from the Tinny. You know what else is emerging here, Rob? A pattern. Thanks to blokes like Rudy. Well, another pattern. Another learning. Winning all those comps, and then he goes to the daily and gets one rat over three days. That pride cometh before the fall. Mm. A proverb actually from the King James Version of the Bible. Ah. Book, book of Proverbs 16.8. You knew, are a learned gentleman. Because I knew you'd ask. Pride goeth before destruction, and an haughty spirit before a fall. The, the same applies to George, who we hear more from shortly. You know, the the pride he must have felt of his banana prank antics. Mm. Seeing, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what just, a mighty fall did there follow. Yes, he saw, he saw Glenn Hubble suffer after they dumped the banana lollies in his boat. He had the worst day on the water, lost his sunnies, hole in the electric, snap, winch, snap, couple of rods, flat tyre. George swollen with pride, and we're only halfway through the tragic fall that besets him. Biblical, Tim. It's bloody biblical. Speaking of which, Warren DeWitt. Been absent for a few weeks, you might have noticed. He's been off camp drafting, as is his wont at this time of year. Like Rudy, we'd written him off as the banana man of camp drafting. We had, really. Let's let's call a spade a spade. Mm. His false hopes seemed to have come to full fruition. But he had a hell of a rise recently. You're right to remember, he won the improved... Most improved at the Pussycat Flats Invitational. It was actually a flat-out win, but we know it as the most improved. The Encouragement Award. <laughs> uh, here's a bit of commentary just to refresh your memory from uh, from the time. Uh, one of the, uh, the ring officials down there, uh, just to bring you up to date, so to speak. Yeah, now bloody a real turn-up for the books, hey? With old stirrups winning, no one saw that coming. Um, you know, we think he gives the event a really sort of nice rodeo clown feel to it when he rocks up, so that's nice. Some people like that. And now he's had a bit of a win, so good on him, because I know he's had a lot of knockers, Stirrups. He's, he's got plenty of knockers out there. You know, lots of people say, geez, you know, bloody DeWitt, he should just stick to fishing. You know, stick to fishing and leave the camp draft into the real blokes. And, uh, oh, I'm not too sure if I should mention this or not, but there's been a bit of talk around that maybe Stirrups is out the back. Handing out a few wads of cash to the judges. Now, that's just gossip. That's just a bit of bloody room around the campfire, but, um, you know, a lot of people are talking about it. 
So, yeah, but anyway, uh, I, I, hey, I'm not here to, to take the gloss off that trophy. Good on him. Stirrups is, uh, is taking home the lollies this year and, uh, yeah, just unbelievable. That was the pride, wasn't it? That was the pride. And good on him. He won the ribbon. It's also persistence, Tim. He, he rose up. He had 23 cracks like Rudin <laughs> and like Jesus. Talk about a fall, though. We've been playing a guessing game on Facebook today and through the week for shows. You see it at ABC Tales from the Tinny. Whose date is this? Just Whose date is this is the game. It's the it's our favourite game. <laughs> yes. Who's bruised we played at the pub after yeah. the show. Whose bruised ass is this? It is a, a confronting but very entertaining pick, the poor guy. He got fully knocked unconscious, Rob. Did he? Yeah, it came off. No, he was he was in a bad way. But he's having a laugh about it now. The arse is bruised. If you don't want to look yourself, the, the entire arse is purple. Black Looks and like purple. he's been taken to with the fence base. Now, I'd, I hope he's, he's laughing about it now, Tim, because I've got to say, if he got knocked unconscious, that does say something about the locations of his brains. If the bruise is on his date, mate, and it knocked him unconscious... We did hear from George earlier, a man learning some very hard lessons about dancing with the devil and how much karma can sting when it relentlessly slashes at you with its razor-sharp claws. Just to recap, he tried to curse Glenn Hubble with some banana-based antics two years ago. Since then, he has blown up the sound of GPS, then chopped the transducer off the replacement item, lost the electric off the front of his boat, fairly careless, bent the outboard drive shaft and glued his feet to the floor. We pick up the story with George, still hoping the hateful hand of fate is done with him as he heads out on the ultimate ill-fated trip last weekend. So we're fishing over in the two, you know, just south of Melville Island for a day and we thought, well, we're going to have to camp overnight. So we moored the boat up just the way you always moor it, heaps of times, front and back, no problem, pull it out so it doesn't get caught out. But I parked it in a spot on the bank that I didn't know just got rather steep. So we went to bed fairly early and Macca, first time I ever took him anywhere, it's been hell of a trip for him, he snored all night so I had lots of options to get up and have a look. Light's still bobbing around, go back to bed. 3.30 in the morning was the last time I went and had a look. Woke up about 7, got out there and I couldn't see my anchor light. It just didn't sink in what the hell had happened. Sink being the operative word, sink possibly. It <laughs> just didn't sink in, and I looked at it, and then I realised it's upside down. <laughs> How the hell did that happen? Hey, uh, you're not supposed to be able to see the keel. <laughs> no, or the bottom of the prop, too. So I went and woke Macker up. He couldn't believe it, so we're just sitting there looking at it. High and dry, or no, wet? No, 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 totally under. Well, not totally under. I think the flotation in the back was holding it up, top of the tide. It was being held front and back, so it wasn't going anywhere except up or down. So as I was taking a photo, I received a message. I thought, yeah, there's no service here. How do I get a message? And uh, walked around a little bit, stood like a jabberoo, and finally got two bars, rang up Scotty. So he rang around, and everybody got organised around me without me knowing what was going on because I couldn't get service again. Eventually found us. We waited till the tide dropped, hooked a boat to my boat with a couple of us, including a couple of young fellas from the islands, young Mike and Mohammed. Thank you very much, guys. We got the boat over, dragged it down off the bank and proceeded to tow it back to Leaders Creek. Four and a half hours 
thanks to Ronnie Bockow in his balsa boat with a 115 on it, managed to tow my thing back, you know, 5.5 GS, a little bit of water in it and full of all our gear. It was an amazing trip. And a bit of sand, I've seen the photos. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was 9 o'clock and I too buggered to put anything out of the boat, so I said to Mac, we'll do it tomorrow. So he drove off. I just hopped in my car and I realised I left something in the shed. It's got an automatic door. So I went in there, got the stuff out of the shed. I used the buttons on the door to lock the door and then I left my bloody car keys in the shed. So I had to ring up Scotty Mitchell, who's got another remote, to come and open the door for me. So since then I haven't moved. I've wrapped myself in cotton wool <laughs> and I'm too scared to do or go anywhere. Has, uh, has Scotty Mitchell blocked your number from his phone? I don't, I don't know. Yet another call to the insurance company who no doubt by now will have you listed with a, with a black mark next to your name, George Beelzebub Vlasny. That's the one. The Antichrist himself. <laughs> so it's in their hands now. I haven't, got, you know, I haven't quite got a claim number as yet. I'm sort of sitting by my computer waiting. Plus the claim to the other mob for the camera and a rod and a few other things. We did manage to salvage a bit of stuff, you know, by throwing hooks in and sort of retrieving. We got rods back and nets and a few things. And we're sitting there contemplating the boat. And as the tide's coming out, lots of the stuff comes floating back down the creek. <laughs> so, you know, an esky floated past, fly boxes, which are totally useless now. Ironically, a bottle of banana boat sunscreen went past. It's come full circle, I know, George. I know, I know. We'll leave you to wallow in your ball of cotton wool confined to the home where the devil cannot access you again. But I'd just like to close with one question, George. Have you got anything to say to the shareholders of the insurance company (laughs) that you are destroying single-handedly? I am so sorry. Be forgiving. By three methods, we may learn fishing wisdom. First, by reflection, which is noblest. Second, by imitation, which is easiest. And third, by experience, which is the bitterest. So, experiences of yours, George, over recent years have been particularly bitter. Well, I've been thinking of getting a tattoo and sort of writing everything down sort of, so I can look at it all the time to keep reminding him, but I think it's burned into my brain, so yeah, bitterness will stay. And I don't think your arms are long enough, George. <laughs> That's true. Richie Lucky Luca is, uh, well, he's a, a, almost a regular on the tin. He's an off and on regular, Tim. He's the buffest fisherman in the territory. That's what he is. Are you still buff, Richie? <laughs> no, mate, I don't think so. Uh, I don't get the time to work out as much as what I used to. Uh, I like to say I'm rocking the dad bod now. It's yeah, the dad bod. <laughs> I saw you a week or two, mate, ago, mate. I reckon you could still bench press a 25 2 strike. <laughs> <laughs> You've been fishing the harbour, though, uh, and doing pretty well for uh, dry season uh, times. We've been getting out during both day and night time and been really quite successful, actually, um, for this time of the year. I've noticed those uh, water temps have been up and the humidity's definitely around. I actually just heard it was the warmest July on record, and um, 
Well, obviously the catches have been a testament to that. We're, um, we're finding some really, really good fish, and good fish up to the mid-60s, mid to late 60s. Nothing in the 70s yet, but, but plenty of fish during the day, and taking all our offerings, mate, really. Uh, plastics, hard bodies, mate, you name it. I'm even even getting, getting a couple in the deep water on the vibes uh, as the tides are a little bit higher up on the flats. It hasn't really mattered what you're chucking at them over those flats as the, as the tide drops out. Probably the biggest thing we're finding in regards to the finesse fishing, mate, look, if you're throwing anything over a 40-pound litre, you, the bites are going to be hard to come by. I'm really downsizing. You know, sometimes I'm even throwing 30-pound litre and still whacking the fish. But the small profile um, stick bait type hard body lures, around about that 95 mil to 100 mil, oh, working a treat, mate. Just slow rolling them off the, off the drains. Um, into the deeper water and just getting whacked every time as the fish are exiting they're holding in that slightly deeper water on the edge of the drains that's the standout technique at the moment at what point of the tide is that water level perfect coming off the flats and into the deep water through those drains you're talking about three to three point two meters just as it exits the mangrove edges the fish will push off those mangrove edges and they'll hug that hug the line along where the mangrove clumps are that generally seems to be around about the 3 to 3.2 metre mark. Generally when it gets lower than that, the flats are becoming more exposed and the fish will tend to push off the flats into the actual drains, push out in towards the deeper water. And that's where I'm seeming to get a lot of the fish. I'm targeting them there both with vibes, so casting the vibes up onto the flats, dredging, dredging the drain through the flats and then pretty much sinking it and teabagging it in those little ledges. Are you uh, drifting down or leckying down the line of these snake drains, Richie, or are you just targeting one and holding on it? No, mate, I tend to drift, so I won't put any more than two or three casts into a drain before I hit the next one generally. If you've got, say, a straight run and you can see four drains, it's always best to just give it two drifts, and I'm always going to drift from the, from the upstream drain down with the tide and just use the lecky pretty much just to slow that drift down as such. This is Tales from the Tinny. We're speaking to Richie Lucky Luca, who's been uh, doing some good barra business in the harbour in the dry season. So what sort of numbers have you been getting over the flats on these daytime sessions, Richie? Generally just fishing over that low tide period, we're getting sort of five to eight fish, um, majority of them being legal. Um, like I said, up to those high 60s, but we're definitely getting a lot more numbers, although the quality of size at night time has been down but yeah far more numbers at night time the fish are, are feeding frenetically and that that there are mainly fishing around the lit wharves uh, and the pylons so generally if you can find a well-lit area so generally if you're fishing at either end of the wharves or the pylons or the rock bars where, the, where there's a back eddy forming the bait will generally tend to hold up there you don't need to be too concerned with the depth I mean we're, we're getting fish in sometimes 20 to 30 foot of water and um, just dropping those vibes straight to the bottom and just slowly, very slowly teabagging those vibes. Wow. And just getting whacked every time on the drop, mate, yeah. A, a little bit more run is better. I find, I find the, the slightly bigger tides um, coming off the neeps as the, it starts to build into the springs around about a two and a half low or a two metre low. You really want that water to still push off the flats because the fish are going to push off the flats as well and go to hold, holding certain sections where the bait's going to accumulate. So the light's going to attract the bait. 
the fish are going to push off the flats and they're going to hold in these sections where the bait is located. Interesting technique, dropping vibes in 20 to 30 foot of water off those man-made rock walls for Barra. What sort of numbers are you seeing in these nighttime sessions? Uh, 15 to 20. A lot of small fish, like in the small, uh, in the 40s to the 50s. But you're getting the odd fish in the 60s as well that um, makes an appearance. I just want to stress though, I see a lot of guys making the mistake when they're fishing those vibes, they're really jigging them up hard through the water column. It's a common misconception that you're going to get hung up on vibes all the time when you're fishing in this structure. You can still fish the vibes in the structure, but you've just got to stay in contact with the lure as it drops and fish it very gently and softly. Nine times out of ten, if you pin those trebles in a little bit of structure, or even if it's on a rock bar, all you then have to do is just give it a little flick and it'll come straight up. But if you're jamming it through the, through the water column and you're ripping it up hard off the bottom... You're buggered. You know, you're going you're to bury those trebles in there every time. You're just going to lose gear. Fabulous report, Richie, and great work both at day and night time. He we never sleeps. He, he never, never sleeps. sleeps, Richie Luca. We will let you get back to bench pressing the... Uh, the <laughs> how, how, what does your oldest child weigh? Oh, I think he's around about uh, 12, 12 and a half kilos yeah. now. He's um, he's 18 months old, so yeah, he's, he's getting on. <laughs> 100 reps, mate. Get rid of that daddy fat. <laughs> I will do, boys. Lovely to catch up with you, Richie. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. When I walk along with two other fishers, from at least one, I will be able to... To learn tales from the tinny. So when I walk with two fishers, so I'm I'm picturing here, Timmy, a handheld stroll, you and me along Mindel Beach. No, 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 you and me and Richie Loka. Okay, walking to the pub. I've obviously got something <laughs> to learn from Richie. That well, makes you the idiot of the crowd. I was about to say, I've got a lot to learn from Richie, so you would have to be the fool, and he's the one I can learn from. And <laughs> we, we think along the same lines, Timmy, don't we? That's amazing. Who's the real idiot? Give us a hoy with your vote. Or don't. Or just, just let it go. Tales from the Tinny. G'day, I'm Dale Herman. And Brad Coates from Leanya. Uh, Last weekend, jumped in the harbour, had a bit of a bottom bash early, cleaned up with a few small jewies and some stonking goldies by Dale. Biggest one, uh, 58 centimetres, so I was pretty happy with that. Snuck out to the rig at about 11 o'clock, I suppose. Doing no good on the jigging, so got the shallow divers out. Started hooking into the mackerel. Right, well, let's just go to a back set. First, in the harbour, cleaning up on Dewey's and, you know, 57 centimetre gold is in the harbour is good going, mate. You had an esky full before you even went wide. 58, Robert. Yeah, 58. Oh, oh, sorry about that. Sorry, champ. Yeah, 58 centimetre. It was hard going. We had a bloody three metre hammerhead shark circle on the boat, so we had to do a bit of a skull track to get them on board, as you could imagine. Dewey's on one side of the boat and Snapper on the other side of the boat, so yeah, it was pretty good going. Inside the harbour? Oh yeah, not too far out from uh, Diner Beach where we launched, but um, yeah, just around the shipping channel area. And this is a spot that you've uh, worked for a while, you boys? Been one of our little honey holes, so yeah, it goes all right for us. We've seemed to find that on the change of a low tide, and especially a sunrise or just before sunup, a neap tide, maybe about three to four metres movement, sunrise, low tide, 
Pretty much as soon as your sinker doesn't hold the bottom, 10-ounce sinker doesn't hold the bottom, you'll seem to grab a hold of the jewies. So you're facing a fairly large conundrum here. I don't know how big your esky is. It's about 50 litres. Yeah, so the esky was full before we left the jewey hole there in the harbour. But I had a little kill tank set up. It's about a metre 20 wide, so we started to fill that up with a Mackie as soon as we are on. It's like a sheet of glass all the way out. We thought, buddy, um, it was going to take us about an hour and a half to get out there. I think we made it down there in about 55 minutes sort of thing, so we did really good for time. As soon as we got there, you could just see them busting up all over the place, so, yeah, we're pretty keen to get in amongst it, as you could imagine. Tried jigs, no good. Thought, all right, we'll start casting our jigs and maybe bring them up through the centre of the water column. That didn't work either. Tried poppers, no good. Slices, no good. They were jumping on the service, so we thought, try some two-metre divers and paid off. I'd say about the first 50 to 70 metres we got onto our first fish. We lost the first two or three and then we figured out that uh, we needed to work better as a team and then we didn't lose any other fish after that. Cohesion. Yeah, that's right. Well, we're not here to mince words. Who was leading the team down, Brad? Uh, Beans, who's not here actually. Yeah. Oh, of course it was Beans. <laughs> Beans. 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 Your socks. Come on, put yeah. your socks up, what? son. A- Andrew Beans. Andrew St- Strawsbury? Strangways. Strangways. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but that'll do. Andrew Strangways, aka Beans. Can we have a detailed description of what exactly he was crap at? Uh, what wasn't he crap at is probably an easier explanation, I guess. <laughs> excess baggage. Yeah, excess baggage. Um, so he can't tie knots. He can't bait his hook. He was sucking oxygen you blokes need from pulling in fish. That's right, and he was drinking our beers. So that made it harder too. <laughs> right, so you slap beans about the head and then you start catching mackerel dale. Yeah, that's right. Slipped a few kind words his way and finally started to pull his finger out and watch the wiser fishermen do their thing <laughs> and um, learn a few things and then we started to catch fish. We started to find that we were pulling them up off the same corner of the rig, which was the southwest corner of the rig. Just as you pass your lures past the chain that runs off that corner, probably about 70 metres off the rig maybe, so a fair way off. Beans, who's not here and hopeless. Oh, hopeless. Uh, hopeless, absolutely hopeless. Jeez, I bet you sorry he didn't turn yeah. up this afternoon. The first one took him probably half an hour to get in, I'd imagine. <laughs> it was something like that anyway. We let him have the first couple and then Dale got onto a few as I was captaining, so I just sat back and drank beers and drove the boat. Yep, did a good job. Put me onto a few fish and then it was time for me to take over the reins so the skipper could get a couple for himself, so... Once we got our bag limit, we just kept catching them and releasing for fun. Playtime. Yeah, keep fishing till we'd had enough, and we had enough. We, you know, I reckon half an hour we'd caught that many, so... Yeah, once we hit double digits, it was time to cruise back home. To what size, boys? I think the biggest was about a metre 35 and about 20 kilo, we estimated, so... Yeah, there was nothing under a metre, so yeah, it was good. And interesting, they all seemed to be holding, like, a, in a pod or a school, in that, in that clearly in that one section. Yeah, I'd imagine there was a fair bit of baits hanging on that chain and the lights there as well, so that's probably all it was. Uh, You've treated us to some smoked mackerel, crackers and cheese, and thank you. Did Beans get any of the spoils from the fillets? Yeah, there's some smoked fish sitting there waiting for him. He's got a couple of snapper and joey fillets already, but um, yeah, I'm not too sure if he's keen on the smoke, but that's cool. There's a bit more for ourselves to share around and share with top lads like yourselves. Do you reckon he's uh, sitting at home doing a bit of self-assessment, a bit of self-examination? Surely. Speaking of which, you obviously don't mind slagging your workmates, Brad. How's Damo travelling after the cat pissed in his boat and lived in it for two months? Oh, you mean Damo from Lianya? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's actually got the cat in the car at work. Joke. Yeah, no, he can't get into his tools, so he's been having to borrow um, the boss's tools. You said it, Rob. It's time for crab bait. That cat has got to be crab bait. Damo, get some self-respect. Grow some kahunas, my friend. Dale, Brad, lovely to catch up with you. Thanks for the smoke, Mackie. No worries. Any time. Thanks for your time, gentlemen. And, of course, 
When anyone mentions or has a crack at their mate, we've got to join in. Right of reply. Is open to you, Beans. And you, Damo. Damo, you, you can have a crack back too, fella. Beans and Damo. Message ABC Tars and the Tinny on Facebook. Call our numbers direct on the sly. Or email fishing at abc.net.au and we will give you the means to slap back and slap back hard. <laughs> but as the guy with the pointy little beard has infiltrated the tinny once again this week, I think this would have to be a pretty fair summary, wouldn't it, Rob, of what we've learnt? will to win, the desire to succeed, the urge to reach your full potential. These are the keys that will unlock the door to angling enlightenment. Tales from the Tinny. So as the stream rattles off into the enlightened and zen distance, Timmy, that just about wraps us up. I'm so full of learnings, I'm about to explode. Mm. My brain hurts, Timmy. I'm enlightened within an inch of my life. I'm enlightened to a point of desperate thirst. (laughs) I'm enlightened to a point of... Swaying a little bit and almost whomming on myself. I'm over. Wow, that's enlightened. I've, I've over enlightened myself. <laughs> okay, have a little bye bye. So, a big thank you to the Tinny this week Brad Coates, the Buddha, Richie Luca, Warren DeWitt and his poor ass, Dale, Beans, and Damo, George, Rudy, Katrina, for sending in your report. You can do the same whenever you like. And you, the great enlightened fishing public of this great brown land and this great green planet. This has been Tales from the Tinny. We'll be back next week with more key learnings or possibly just a whole bag of inanities. We will walk hand in hand again together, fishos, and determine which of us is truly the idiot. Tales from the Tinny.